Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. William, lay it on me, Groove Master. You don't want to wait? Funky boy. You sure you don't want to waste a bunch of time before we get into the spooky fun? <laughs> I don't know, do you have anything to time waste with? You know... You got a tight five? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the farmer's market. Oh. Ooh-wee, let me go stand by, stand, just yanking your chain. <laughs> It's not that kind of show. Let's talk about some spooky stuff. Let's do it. Kristen, uh, this week I have bitten off quite possibly more than I can chew. Excellent. I have thought of doing this a number of times mm-hmm. since we started the program. It's uh, always encouraging. And each time uh, found it to be a daunting topic, an insurmountable mountain. Yeah. Uh, and it only gets worse the longer you hold off. So I'm going to do it now so I don't continue to torture myself. Like okay. This. I'm going to tell you. All that I can, all that I care to, <laughs> about Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh my God! Okay. Do you know? Tell me what you know about uh, Five Nights at Freddy's because it's a big deal. But I don't think I think people probably know the name, right? And maybe know a teeny bit about it, but you don't have any idea how far down this rabbit hole goes. Right. Me reacting like that makes it sound like I know more than I do. I know that it is a rabbit hole. Is basically a thing. Yeah. I know it's a computer game mm-hmm. that is. I think people think it's based on a real life serial killer or something oh, like that. Oh, you're very close. I didn't know that myself until today. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The, uh, yeah. I don't really know. Okay. That, that's All the right. main thing I know. That's that's perfectly fine okay. by me. Though I do want to point out, yeah. Kristen and I did a yes. short lived Let's Play series on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still find it on YouTube.com/slash/talkbomb. We called it Player Zero. Yeah. The idea was Kristen does not play very many video games but likes them. Yeah. And so I would still the case, really. I would pick a game, primarily a horror mystery game of some sort, mm-hmm. and then make Kristen play it. Yeah. Uh, and we did one episode of Five Nights at Freddy's, and yes. it was like impossible, impossible. Wait, to play. didn't we also do um, that game that was like kind of a horror game with Hayden Panettiere? We did a little bit of Until Dawn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. That was a fun one. And we did, I guess this wasn't Player Zero, but we did Sleuth. That was Player Zero. Okay. We did Sleuth and we did Mist. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very fun. We didn't do any more. Yeah. Maybe we'll go back to Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. I do. Uh, so uh, I'm going to tell you the, the very simple idea of what Five Nights at Freddy's is, okay. though it has evolved over the years. Yeah. Like all folklore does. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. It grows. It changes. That's right. It, quite frankly, gets out of control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's is an independent horror game created by a guy named Scott Cawthon. Okay. Uh, it started as... A, a very small game where you play as the night security guard at essentially Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Uh, it's a, a pizzeria for kids. They have birthday parties there, and there's an animatronic animal band. So instead of having Chuck E. Cheese shredding on a an electric guitar, do you think he said shred because of cheese? Oh. <laughs> Instead of Chuck E. Cheese shredding on a cheese, on a cheese, yeah. a cheese. Right. You've got Freddy Fazbear, he's mm-hmm. a big bear, Chica, a chicken, Bonnie, a rabbit, Foxy, a fox. Yeah. And they're all in a good time band. However, this is a horror game. And right. you're the night guard, brand new to the job. Mm-hmm. And you're task is essentially to sit at your desk. You don't move anywhere. You don't get up and walk around. It's a stationary, you sit in your chair game, Yeah. but you're clicking through security cameras to make sure all the animatronics are where they're supposed to be. Right. In the first game, in the first few games, but in the first game itself, you have these recordings from a guy called Phone Guy. He's essentially walking you through 
what your job is, what you're here for. And he's a very sort of nervous, anxious guy on the phone. It starts with him going like, ah, hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to your new job as the new night security guard for Fazbear Family Diners. Like he's very yeah. weird. And he's like, the animatronics, they're kind. but they definitely at, won't come alive. They may not hurt you, but at night they like to walk around. <laughs> you're like, well, what does that mean? And what it means is essentially this. I find, and uh, full disclosure, I find the premise of these games to be incredibly engaging. Yeah, totally. It's nice and simple. Nice and simple, yeah. but with a lot of like depth and twists and, and turns. Suspense. Out the wazoo. The gameplay itself is not my cup of joe. Mm -hmm. um, it is uh, all about time management. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being about like spinning plates. Like yeah. I got to check this camera every five seconds, but I have to check that camera every three seconds. So you're like constantly like, like bouncing back and forth between tiny menial tasks. Yeah. And if you don't do them just right, you get a jump scare. You get mm -hmm. one of these uh, animatronics jumping right in your face in the camera. Right. And I think that's one of the main reasons that this sucker spread uh, uh, like a virus yes. through YouTube because so many people would do Let's Plays. And so it was this fun thing of who cares if you're playing it yourself? You can watch other people play it and they'd get terrified yeah. when Foxy jumps at them. Right. Something like that. Right. The thing that I find engaging is that it's a series of five nights mm -hmm. at Freddy's. Yeah. Uh, and so the first night, it's kind of easy. You can basically just sit there mm -hmm. and your night shift will end. You're right. there from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. If you make it to 6 a.m., even if something you've is about it. to jump at you, you've made it. You've beaten the level. Yeah. The nights go on. It gets harder and harder. If I'm not much mistaken, and by the way, I'm going to be spoiling potentially everything about Five Nights at Freddy's, not just the game, the entire franchise in this show. So if mm -hmm. you're afraid of spoilers, uh, get out of here. Uh, but as you get further in the game phone guy's warnings uh, start becoming bigger and bigger. Where he's like, uh, yeah, we've had a few incidents here. Um, of course, there was the bite of 87. Uh, and you're left to wonder what the hell that yeah, might yeah, mean. Yeah. And then I think it's on like night four or something where phone guy's recording and you realize that he's not talking to you live. They're recordings. Yeah. There's a pounding at the door. He's like, that's um, cool. Okay, I don't think I've got much time left. But um, if you're able to make it through your shift, I really want to know what's up with the severed heads in the back. And like you're like, you know, now you're one of them. That's you're trying to cool. figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, that's awesome. It's wonderful. So I'm going to break down for you the Five Nights at Freddy's series, um, kind of game by game. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to see how far this goes because, like I said, it can really get out of control fast. But okay. what I want to do is pick a game, mm -hmm. tell you what is obvious about the story, yeah. tell you a little bit about the gameplay, and then tell you all the stuff that is hidden that deepens the lore oh, cool. of Five Nights at Freddy's. Like Easter eggs or what? Easter eggs, yeah. theories. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is about serial killers and shoving people into suits. Um, but the game doesn't pre present things. It's very much, um, uh, I think the elements of it that are compelling to me because they're not literally the video game gameplay because all that is is about like clicking to turn on a light mm -hmm. and then turn it off and like have to wind a music box and it's all panicking. It's like yeah. sweaty. Yeah. How, how you have to juggle all these things, keep all these plates spinning. The thing that I like about it is the detective work. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of... Um, uh, 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 not generally, but in terms of the Five Nights at Freddy's stuff, there's a guy called Matt Pat. Mm -hmm. He's one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. I mean, I think we all know that at this point. Being on YouTube is like oh. a gigantic 
industry, essentially. Yes. There are incredible entertainers and performers on there that have millions oh, upon totally. millions of subscribers, way beyond anything that any like television personality has at this point. Yeah. I actually, I'm also a fan of late night TV. I was looking at how many subscribers different late night shows have. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon's got like 27 million which is great. Stephen Colbert, who's number one on TV, has like seven million. Yeah. So it's kind of it kind of doesn't matter, but it kind right. of does. People who play Five Nights at Freddy's, a lot of video game personalities, have like you know like thirty five million. Yeah. So wow. have far left behind television personalities. Yeah. Um, so Matt Pat is this guy. He does a, a channel called Game Theory, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of stuff where it'll be like, "How tall exactly is Mario?" Well, I've been studying the pixels, and I can tell you he's five foot seven. Yeah. With Five Nights at Freddy's, it's about like looking into the deep background. Here's the thing that you're focused on as a character. But if you look at the wall, there's a newspaper clipping that describes how Freddie Fazbear's uh, family diner was closed because people were complaining about how the costumes smelled. And the it got a health code violation because they were oozing an unknown oh, liquid. And so you he starts cool. to, in different scenes, put together all these clues to piece together an overarching story. That's awesome that they did that, that they put that stuff in the game. It's very, very clever. Yeah. And I think that as With much like as... With very little <clears throat> payoff. Like they didn't have any guarantee, no. like whatever, Matthew Cuthin or whatever. Matt Pat. Matt. No, oh, oh, Scott well, Cawthon, the guy yeah, who created it. Cawthon, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, he didn't have any guarantee that people would notice that. That's a lot of work to put into something 100%. just for the joy of it. And I think that's that's another element of why I respect it so mm-hmm. much is that um, as much as I think um, this is a series of games that is also defined by its, by its incredibly young audience, yeah. that I think a lot of people look at this game and think of it as being for, like, kids. Yeah, they make, like, backpacks and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah and, like, toys, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I really think that it's a feat of engineering to a certain extent to have a story yeah. that exists in your head, but you only put bits and pieces of it in here and let people fill in the gaps. Right. I really enjoy that kind of storytelling. I mean, if anybody out there has seen the Hunt a Killer mm-hmm. Empty Faces yeah. streams that Chris and I have done, yeah. uh, like I love that sort of like deep lore uh, right. rich world building filling in the gaps and trying to puzzle it out right. Five Nights at Freddy's has a lot of that yeah like things where there's like a surface level story but if you care to go deeper there yeah. is story there there's a lot of I places to go yeah. now the other thing that I will say is that I'm fairly confident that as the series has evolved new elements of story have essentially been stapled on the original premise is kind of clean mm-hmm. you're the night security guard working at this place the animatronics get up and walk around right spoiler alert if you start to dig into the other things that exist in the shots, like all those newspaper clippings I mentioned, you start to piece together essentially the following. Kids go missing Mm -hmm. at Freddy Fazbear's Diner. Uh, It was closed. A different previous establishment was closed because kids kept going missing. Yeah. And uh, there are enough elements to piece together in Five Nights at Freddy's, the first game, that they are probably embodying the animatronics. Uh-huh. Maybe the, the ooze that is coming out of the animatronics is blood yeah. or pus because right. their rotted bodies are right. inside Freddy Fazbear, Chica, Bonnie, and Foxy. Yeah. Maybe they're ghosts that are possessing. Yeah, somehow animating them. Uh-huh. And it's ectoplasm yeah. that is oozing out. I don't really know one way or the other, but... Five kids go missing, and there are, well, I've only mentioned four animatronics. Uh Uh-oh. But what of the fifth? 
Well, that's where Golden Freddy comes in. Oh, I've heard of Golden Freddy. As you're playing the game, the animatronics are walking around. You got to make sure you close the door before they can come get you. Yeah. Periodically, the later nights, uh, there will be a, a essentially a, a Freddy, like a bear guy costume. Yeah. And I'm, we're really talking like Chuck E. Cheese, somebody yeah, could yeah. be wearing these suits, but a lot of them have a robot stuff inside them was like Terminator. But uh, occasionally, almost like you're hallucinating, a ghost of a suit will appear in the room with you. It doesn't jump out at you. It it, it can't really move. It's just kind of twitching. Uh, that is the, the fifth child. Uh-huh. Or at least it's theorized. Nobody really knows what the hell that is. Yeah. And that, I think, is also why it took off. Uh, Scott Cawthon, as he continued making these games, he doesn't confirm things. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, say, "Hey, good job, you figured this out." He lets you stew and wonder and wait and lets people theorize, and speculate with each other, speculate, yes, nonstop. Mm-hmm. So, Which is super fun. Love it. It's 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 crazy yeah. fun. Now, uh, uh, why don't we do this in reverse a little bit? Okay, that's Five Nights at Freddy's One mm-hmm. from humble beginnings. Sure, where we are today. Why I'm talking to you about this today is because I uh, I think I'm a known sponger. Mm-hmm. I obsess about things and I, I need to know every single aspect about how something was made, whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, two weeks go by and I don't care about it anymore. Right. Right now, I'm obsessed with Five Nights at Freddy's because yeah. there's a, a, a game that just came out. Okay. The latest game is called uh, Five Nights at Freddy's VR, mm-hmm. Help Wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is the first sort of big budget game of this. Usually, this guy, Scott Cawthon, essentially does everything himself. Yeah. I also respect that. He's like a true indie developer. He just had an idea and threw himself at right. it. Time, money, uh, truly, it must have been hundreds, thousands of hours yeah. that he worked on this. Now, the franchise is really taking off. Yeah. We're looking at, at the close future Blumhouse mm-hmm. doing a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Is that actually happening? That or? is actually oh, happening. Wow. Yeah, it's a substantial uh, franchise at this point. So anyway, there's a new game, Five Nights at Freddy's VR, mm-hmm. Help Wanted. Yeah. And the basic idea is that you are playing a Five Nights at Freddy's VR game. That's the idea. It's meta oh, like okay. that. Yeah. You are a beta tester for a VR game they were trying to make. But something else is in the code with you. Uh-oh. Who knows how the hell that thing got here? And so you're essentially replaying elements throughout the Five Nights at Freddy's series. Some of it's like a greatest hits. That's cool. Yeah. But then as you're playing stuff, you'll see an audio cassette. You can pick it up and it like enters your inventory. Yeah. And the audio cassettes are from somebody who worked on the game being like, you know, we were testing the game and we got a lot of materials from some of the older Five Nights at Freddy's establishments and we just copied a lot of their data to keep it all in one place. Something was in the code. I've tried to, I've tried to isolate it and that. delete it, but I couldn't remove it from our system. At some point, it noticed that I was documenting everything that it was up to and it attached itself to my audio files. I've split them up and had to hide them throughout the experience. Love. And then as you get Love. to like 15 of 16 of those, she starts going like, do not assemble these tapes. And you realize like, <laughs> oh, not. that's what I've been yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the story is so big at this point. This is the most recent game. This is like game seven or eight or something like that. So to explain it at all yeah. beyond that is to get into like William Afton had been just, you know, investigating robotics uh-huh. and he found out that you could attach the human soul to And it's like, okay, yeah, we've gone too far, but that's okay. It's all fun. Totally. It's a party. Yeah. Let's, 
let's uh, uh, so that's where we are today. Okay, cool. Five Nights at Freddy's has gotten gigantic. Yeah, we have that. to the point that there can be a meta thing. That there's enough yes. material that you can do that. That you can be going back through previous games. You can be going back through previous stuff, retconning that's a bunch really of things, fun. introducing new characters, but saying that they've been here the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Um, in in many ways, now we talked about this on a recent show where I was saying horror has lost some of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really obsessed with, even though I don't appreciate. Uh, uh, these as like a purely entertaining thing. Stuff like uh, uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Right? Uh, movies one and arguably two are pretty like realistic. Yeah, they could. Yeah, no, they Stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like and then you they're, get. They're possible. Right. They're yeah. possible. And they're they're pretty highly regarded. Yeah. Uh, and then you eventually get to, you know, Jason, Jason goes X. to hell or whatever. Yeah, Jason yeah. goes to hell. Jason goes to space. Right. I love the trajectory of that. Yeah. Start small, go get insane. Bonkers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Five Nights at Freddy's is in the get bonkers. Yeah, it sounds phase like of it based life. on that. Yeah. And it's like the only thing in horror that does that. Yeah. You know, I recently I've been doing a lot of writing lately. Mm-hmm. And um I was listening to the It Follows soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Remember after the It Follows came out, there were a lot of rumors that they were gonna yes. do a new movie, a sequel. Yes. And the producer was like, not that this was the most novel thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. I looked at it. I think a lot of people looked at it as like tacky, no thank you. I looked yeah. at this as like, bring it on. Yep. He said, We'll reverse it. The movie was called It Follows, right? Yeah. What do you get when you swap those word yeah. words around? Follows it. Yeah. Follow it. Right. We're tracking it down now. I'm like, yep, do it. Seriously. Do it. That's part of what I love about horror is the irreverence. Yes. Seriously, I do. I I really enjoy that. It's fun. And then someday, if it went too wacky, Mm -hmm. you get the added Mm -hmm. business uh, benefit of saying, we're going to ignore all the sequels and make a, you know... Because a follow up to we, the original. That's a thing. Like I thought that that was a very novel thing that Halloween just did, but obviously, as we found out a couple weeks ago, Godzilla did that. Like uh-huh. that's not that's not been out of the realm of possibility yeah, exactly. in general. So why not? I honestly think it's a smart business decision. Make a great you know, prestige horror thing. Yeah. Then just have fun with it, mm-hmm. and then someday you can you can go yeah. like. Don't worry, we're going to throw away the bad ones and everyone loves you again. Right. Just take chances. Yeah. Take more chances, I think is what it boils down to. Don't intentionally make a bad movie because that doesn't work. Try stuff, though. Of course. Don't just do the sure bets. Yeah. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we are at that sort of like whacktastic world now. The games have a lot of comedy in them as yeah. of the last couple of years because I think that it just makes sense. At a certain yeah. point, you're talking about a kid's pizzeria it's a restaurant. premise to begin with, even yes. if it's simple yes. in the beginning. So, you know, why not? Totally agreed. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go back in time now. Cool. We're going to skip a bunch mm-hmm. of games. I'm going to warn you. Okay. We're going to go back to the thing that I found the most compelling, that I still find the most compelling. That means that we're going to go further back in time to basically the first three, maybe four games. Okay. Wait, so, how many are there now? Oh, my God. Uh, let me just list them for the sake of doing it. And also, you know what? In doing this, I can highlight something else I really appreciate about these games. Uh, uh, Scott Cawthon wastes no time. Yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's came out in August 2014. Uh-huh. Five Nights at Freddy's 2 came out three months later. Mm, no moss on this guy. November 2014. No moss on this guy. <laughs> Five Nights at old. Freddy's 3 came out two months after that. Wow. In January 2015. So we're at three. Five Nights at Freddy's 4 came out four months later. He wastes no time. They, they yeah. come out so fast. Basically, in about a year's time, he released four games. Wow. Crazy. 
Um, Five Nights. I wonder if that's part of what made it so popular. Like it didn't oh, yeah. lose momentum. I, you know? I absolutely yeah. think so. He made Five Nights at Freddy's World, which was a sort of weird breaking format RPG that came out eight months later. Five Nights at Freddy's Sister Location, which is technically FNAF 5, came out three months after that. Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria Sim- Simulator came out almost a year and a half later. Mm. A little bit. Actually, a year and eight months later. So a big jump there. Yeah. Uh, Ultimate Custom Night. This is just sort of like uh, everything adds new lore mm-hmm. in more complicated ways. But on the surface, he bundles it as being like, I just wanted to make a fun, like, you know, got to juggle all the things game. Yeah. Uh, and that was Ultimate Custom Night, uh, uh, and now VR game, so nine. Yeah. I think nine. Wow. If I, if I counted that right. Uh, 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 but yeah, let's go, let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, the Bite of 87 is name dropped in Five Nights at Freddy's 1, ambiguously yeah. in the past, who knows? Phone Guy keeps giving you hints and dies on night four, uh, <clears throat> newspaper clippings on the wall say that the restaurant's closed because the costumes stunk mm-hmm. or oozing something. Yeah. Matt Pat's theory at the time. Now this guy, Matt Pat is a, uh, a really dedicated, he's a detail guy. Yeah. Uh, he's got also, by the way, five nights at Freddy's incredibly lucrative uh-huh. for streamers. I think. Yeah. Uh, Matt Pat, millions upon millions of views of these videos and he's got like 30 of them yeah because he endlessly has to update his theories or like at a certain point he had about a, a bit of a, a tete-a-tete uh-huh. with scott cawthon he would wait scott's got to release something soon he's got to release something soon i've been sitting on this theory he's got to release something soon all right screw it i'll post my theory next day scott cawthon releases something that contradicts his theory and he, intentionally he was waiting for Matt Pat to do it. Do so, we know that? I believe so, because Scott Cawthon is a pretty quiet guy. Yeah, yeah. But he will occasionally post, and he'll be like, "I had to do it." Oh man, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong about that, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it happened multiple times. Oh man, directly wants to screw with the community. Yeah, which is, although he also respects. I know. He wants to toy with the community in fun ways, but he also respects them. He has admitted That's like, what I would imagine, because otherwise you're just a jerk. So, yes, 100%. Yeah. He has like admitted that he's like worked on games and then thrown them away because they weren't good enough and then written posts where he's like, I've been really quiet because I was working on this and I decided to start over, so I'm really, really sorry. Yeah. He wrote an entire movie with Blumhouse. Uh, it's been in development for like two years, and he just posted that he's decided to start from scratch. About Five Nights at Freddy's or something else? Five Nights at Freddy's the movie. He, wow. he decided he wasn't happy with his writing, and so he wants to start over. Wow. If you're curating like that, if yeah. you are being that aggressively trying to make sure the quality is good, mm-hmm. can't help but respect you. Really, really appreciate well, that. absolutely. I'd rather have to wait for something that the creator fully stands behind Mm -hmm. then get something sooner that is of questionable quality. For sure. I can't help but think, and I don't think it's worth not doing that, but I can't but think then though that the scrutiny on you is going to be even more intense because now at this point you've said like, this is my, whatever you put out then is like you think is perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people are going to be like really eyeballing it. Probably. That's tough. And there are a lot of aspects of this story that I think um, uh, have um, George Lucas qualities mm-hmm. to them at this point not only do we have the the the, the later games but there have also been books i think there have been like maybe four books or something mm-hmm. like that and I've, I've seen a lot of people complain about the quality of the books yeah um and uh, uh that they are not connected to the games really 
but rather they'll say like a character that I mentioned before, William Afton, mm-hmm. became a huge deal in the games, was introduced in a book and okay. then basically shoehorned into the games. Uh-huh. So it doesn't really make sense. That's where I get into like all that stuff about like stapling on yeah. new bits of lore. Yeah. I think after the story I'm about to tell you, he just started had to be like, all right, well, this happened. Okay. And was always true, everybody. This was always true. Yeah. chunk stapling stuff. chunk This always existed. chunk Pretend that this has always been here all along. Yeah. And that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to oh, totally. do that with a growing story. Yeah, of course. It's completely fine. Mm-hmm. All right, so Five Nights at Freddy's 2. Yeah. This is a prequel. It is set at a different restaurant in the same franchise. Okay. And instead of big, like, Terminator animatronic things in, like, you know, um, uh, fabric bear mm-hmm. suits, they're literally big metal plastic robots. Yeah, I think you must have showed me this or something. It's that rings bizarre. A bell. It's bizarre. Uh-huh. And because it's older, but with more, way more advanced technology, it's one of those things that are just Oh, yeah, like, it's like, huh? right. But the robots are programmed with facial recognition software uh-huh. uh, that's connected to a, a criminal database. Yeah. <laughs> so that's they, awesome. They patrol the restaurant <laughs> and look for, for criminals, whatever. Yeah. Everything is, is far more complicated. Now you have to keep a music box wound up to appease the balloon boy. He's a new character. There's another new character called the Puppet. The puppet is a big, spooky, black and white marionette, uh-huh. uh, but its face is all white with purple streaks going down its eyes. Ooh. All right. Here's what I love about Five Nights at Freddy's 2. Yeah. Now, also bear in mind, I've never played this or any of the later games. Okay. Uh, they're all available on PC, uh, all available on mobile, and I hear they're getting revamped for stuff like PlayStation 4 and Switch or mm-hmm. something like that, which I'd be kind of curious about. Yeah. I don't like this juggling gameplay, but I mm-hmm. might be willing to try it. Yeah. I don't know. So occasionally when you beat a level or die or whatever, you'll be thrown into a mini game. Mm-hmm. These mini games look like worse than the original Nintendo graphics. They look like the old Atari graphics. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can barely make things out. Things are in very basic shapes, and we're introduced to a character that will take over the the theory community the Five Nights at Freddy's fandom, his name is the Purple Guy. Okay. We see a bird's eye view of the restaurant, and there are a bunch of kids inside celebrating a birthday. Just outside the restaurant, looking in, Uh-oh. trapped in the rain, is a little kid. We're going to call this kid the Crying Child. Okay. Also a huge uh, point of contention uh-huh. in the Five Nights at Freddy's theory community. Crying child is watching all the kids inside Freddy Fazbear's having fun when a car pulls up and purple guy gets out. Literally a purple, you know, pixelated man. Yeah. Walks up to the kid, kills him. Uh-huh. The kid just had tears streaming down his face. This now connects in the lore sense, all the theorizing stuff. What was one of the new characters? The puppet. And what's one of the defining characteristics oh. of him? Purple streaks running oh. down his face. He is the crying child. Okay. One of the mini games that you're later uh, meant to play after you die or beat a level or whatever is you are the puppet and you're going around to a bunch of dead kids in a room giving them gifts Uh and then you give them life. And when you give them life, you walk up to each one of them and put an animatronic thing on each one of their heads, turning them into... The characters in the next game. The characters in the next game. It's effed up that this is like a kid's game. I know. It's not really a kid's game. You know what I mean? No, I know, but it's it's so weird that it's taken off. It's also not graphic. Right. Because they're using like old Atari graphics. So even saying that like Purple Guy 
guy kills a kid. Yeah. It's basically just like he walks up to him and now the kid and turns like, like black and white. Yeah. 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 Eyes or whatever. You yeah. know, like it's all very sort of symbolic. But still, even just theoretically, it's crazy that they make like backpacks for kids with. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, phone guy returns. Uh, he's alive because it's a prequel. Right. And uh, one of the things that he says as he gets desperate is he's like, he says, one of the suits in the back, someone used it. We don't know. Like, it's all very desperate. Oh, and yeah. now you're starting to get the sense that the Five Nights at Freddy franchise, now with the introduction of Purple Guy, mm-hmm. isn't just about kids that went missing and possessed these animatronics. It's about a serial killer. Yeah. Who's been killing kids. Inside the Freddy Fazbear restaurants. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I really yeah, I really like it. That's awesome. In the mini games, phrases will pop up. It'll say like help them, uh-huh. save them. Um Okay. Uh Matt Pat at this point, uh his theory is that uh a purple guy is the phone guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, there are a couple things like phone guy mentions at one point that his favorite favorite animatronic is Foxy uh-huh. in a mini game. Purple guy is present as Foxy walks through the room and he's got a big smile on his face. He's okay. like, well, why would it be like, why would you, you deliberately have to design that. Right. And then at one point there's like, it looks like there's maybe a badge on his chest. Where he's like, he's a security guard. Oh, okay. Like the phone guy. That sounds like a good theory. Now I would posit my theory. Now granted, I don't know much more than I'm literally telling you. Mm-hmm. I've watched all of Matt Pat's theories on this because I really enjoy them, but sometimes yeah. they become white noise. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's a theory that I'm going to posit that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. There's there are no characters in this game, right? Like you've got the animatronics, but they're not really characters. They're they're basically big avatars to be afraid of. Uh-huh. And you can empathize with them when you start saying stuff like there are kids associated with them, but you can't consider them like characters with motivations and yeah. you don't really know what they want or how where they came from or whatever. The only person we have any interaction with is phone guy. Right. And now you're given this human Who's been killing people? Right. It's the so only it's suspect you can have. Yeah. There's no one else. You can be like, it was the manager, but you'd be assuming that there's a manager somewhere that we've never right. heard of. There's only one person we ever hear from, and it's the phone guy. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, 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 not to shoot in a plug. This is literally something that I've had debates with with people. Yeah. In Earthbreak. Mm-hmm. The entire show is about Jenny Slate alone. Right. Except for the opening minute and a half of episode one, mm-hmm. where she has very tense interactions with some guy. Right. In the script, his name is Mark. Mm-hmm. Now, at, on recording, I'm in LA doing the recording, and we're all just kind of like standing around, talking, whatever, passing time. And I go, So Mark is the father, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because Lynn is pregnant. And yeah. everyone, and a couple people went, No, 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 no. <laughs> And I went, he is. Like, they argue, they scream at each other. Yeah. But he's the only other human on the show. Yeah. And it's a guy that they obviously have some sort of a close enough relationship right. that in the apocalypse, they come together. Right. So he's the father. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people said no. Uh-huh. A lot of people said, it doesn't matter. And I agree, it doesn't matter. You don't yeah. even know who the father is. But it's like, well, I who mean, else could you possibly... That's what I thought. Right? Like, yeah. who else could you that's possibly point to? It's yeah. kind of how I feel about Phone Guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, all right, Five Nights at Freddy's 3. This might be the last one I tell you about. We'll see okay. how we do. I don't want to eat everyone's time. Um, so Five Nights at Freddy's 3 now takes place 30 years after the original game. Yeah. Uh, Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, as promised, has closed. Yeah. It is gone, and it has become somewhat of a notorious establishment That's for fun. all the people who went missing there. Yeah. So now you play as the new night guard for Fazbear Frights. Ah. 
a haunted house attraction that is using the the Freddy Fazbear murders such a as its idea. backdrop. I might love this. I, I really love it. I, honestly, like there's there's I love this story. I know. I really love it. I find it incredibly compelling. Yeah. Um, and even the insane directions it takes from here. Uh-huh. The only reason I'm not telling you about those is because I think the opening few games tell a Are really tight, nice deliberate and tight. story. Yeah. And the other stuff is wonderful, but it, it just gets a little too nuts. Sure. I that doesn't mean I don't like it. I could I get easily it. go ham yeah on that other stuff with you yeah but it would take all night yeah <laughs> so i'll tell you about the, no i get it the easy yeah, yeah, yeah. first few um but I, I i really i really enjoy this franchise a good story really enjoy it the other thing about this franchise is like i i uh lurk in like the five nights at freddy's reddit yeah because i you can never tell when Scott Cawthon's going to release something new. There's uh-huh. no countdown. People will go to his website and like, here's how crazy it gets. He'll hide stuff in the code of the website. Oh, cool. So he'll hide teasers and stuff or just make a cryptic comment that leads to something That's else. That's very hunt to killery. It, absolutely. It's yeah. a very full featured experience this yeah. guy does. But I'm not paying attention to any of that stuff. Yeah. So I just wait because there will be And then the lulls. other people will tell you about it. Yes. Yeah. I will wait during the you know months off where the fandom gets so ravenous for yeah. new material that they're just like I drew a picture of Bonnie and Freddie dancing <laughs> will someone like it yeah. and I'm like okay they're starved they need yeah. something so maybe it'll happen soon because he right. knows he needs to keep them happy right. and then all of a sudden it'll explode and I don't even understand what's going on because people are like well but did you notice on night two that when MM and TBJ showed up PB and J went to BM yeah. and I'm like well I, I don't know what that means they're already onto using shorthand for stuff because right. they're so into it that even 24 hours into a new game yeah. some of this stuff is old material so they're just yeah. using shorthand for characters and stuff to get through it and I basically need somebody to go like explain it to me as if I don't know anything you're talking about right right um, but I really enjoy it yeah okay so we're now we're at fazbear frights right there's one animatronic that we care about other ones show up because the the gameplay mechanic of this one is that you're trying to maintain the ventilation of fazbear frights and so if it's not properly ventilated basically you hallucinate Uh and you'll see the the original animatronics Uh uh-huh but they can't kill you the only one that can kill you is springtrap springtrap is an old animatronic that has got like bits and pieces falling off of it. And when it jumps at you, you can see through the big bunny eye sockets that there's like flesh in there. And so you're like, somebody was shoved in a suit. What the hell is this? Here's what it is. Again, when you die or beat a level or whatever, I I truly, I don't even know when these things pop out at you, but you're sent back to those Atari looking things again. Now we realize they are mini games and stuff, but they're also essentially cutscenes. They're telling Uh the, the old Atari graphics basically are the things that fill in the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the story seems to be basically a finale. Mm -hmm. It's all about purple guy. Purple guy killed the kids. Okay. But he was not the one who stuffed them into the suits. He just killed the kids. He would lure them into a back room that later, once discovered, was sealed. Oh. But once the kids were dead, the way they got in the animatronics was the puppet. We saw that in the last game. The puppet goes around saying, like, giving them gifts and then giving them new life by putting the animatronics on their heads. Yeah. That oh, okay. That wasn't just some symbolic okay. thing. That was literally the act yeah. of putting them in the animatronics. The animatronics then, with the kids' spirits in them, had were, like, looking for vengeance against Purple Guy. So one night, Purple Guy comes creeping into uh, 
Freddy Fazbear's, presumably to try to kill another kid. Yeah. And the animatronics go ham on him. Uh-huh. And so they're chasing him around. He has nowhere to go but back into that sealed up room. Yeah. That he had originally committed the murders in. He hops into one of the old suits, a spring lock suit. Oh. Because, because, Kristen, before anything we've seen, we've been seeing, you know, big like fabric things with robots inside of them. Yeah. We saw literal robots that can scan your face. Those are all pretty high tech. The original Freddy Fazbear's had suits that people wore. And so they would dress up like the animals. Yeah. Like sing and dance for kids or whatever. And some of them had more advanced mechanics in them than others. So you could have like an animated head and stuff uh-huh. like that. So those are called spring lock suits. Purple guy jumps into one of the spring lock suits to hide or to get away or to fight back or who knows. Maybe he's losing his mind at this point. Yeah. And he screws something up. And the animatronic stuff in the suit that he's wearing screw up and crush him to death. And so there's That's a awesome. little cutscene of him like wiggling around while blood is shooting out of the suit that he's wearing. I was about to ask, are you finding out all of this <coughs> stuff through a cutscene? Yeah, you're finding that, all, all one uh, of the old Atari looking cutscenes. Yes. Okay. So it's all sort of like it still is up to interpretation to a certain extent. It's not like it's presented with audio where they're telling you stuff. Right, it's not fully right. acted. You're looking at a series of images, basically. Right. Um, but and now not you super realize clear ones either, no. right? That could like maybe be a little open to interpretation. Again, interpretation. Yeah. World building, lore, encouraging people to theorize is the name of the game here. And now you realize that as you've been playing, the one animatronic that you've been running from, yeah. Springtrap, is Purple Guy right. locked in the suit. And essentially, he got he died in the sealed up room. Yeah. And it wasn't until Fazbear Frights opened 30 years later that he was able to get back out. That's awesome. That game ends with the establishment burning down due to like faulty wiring, they say. Yeah. Maybe that ventilation system. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally killing the purple guy. That's awesome. Right. Now, I still believe that purple guy is phone guy just because it's the cleanest possible yes. thing. You can eventually add on and say sense. eventually they get to a point where it's like Freddie Fazbear's was sitting on the top of a lab that's underground where William Afton was experimenting with human souls and robotics and it's like that's that's where it eventually goes and he uh-huh. says that that's purple guy yeah and there's some cool stuff too there where like somebody Wait, gets so scott scott coffin <coughs> said that, that said that william afton is purple guy well it, the later games strongly okay. imply that at least uh-huh. um to my knowledge maybe it's literally said yeah but later in the game they they basically make purple guy's identity clear i believe yeah. it was never confirmed that he was phone guy however if you look at these first three games in a vacuum mm-hmm. who else would it be why right, would it right. there's no other humans that we there's know no other of. humans and yeah. it's like at one point he had the badge phone guy was a security guard right you know like there was just like it's That's super motive convenient. means an opportunity yes. right the guy is kind of like a weird shifty dude yeah i'll call that motive enough i guess yeah. for the purposes of this yeah means he was there. He worked there. Yeah. yeah. Like, we see how he did it. Like, he had access to all the or tools actually, that'd and stuff. Actually, that'd be opportunity. Well, means, means an opportunity. Means an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was phone guy in yeah. the first three. And then, and then it expanded from there. And I will, right. I will respect that. Sure. In the first three, if you look at them alone, yes. it's the phone guy. Yeah, that's perfect and clean. Yes. Yeah. Super clean. That's really cool. So, if I, or if anybody listening, maybe if they're into it, you might not know the answer to this. If I were to go to Matt Pat's YouTube and just go like go back to like old old videos, could I pick up this story and 
you you could pick up on exactly what I picked up on because like right. the other thing that that you could do is watch um, people play the games. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Pat does play them. The person that I typically see playing them uh, is one of like the biggest YouTubers in the world. His name is Markiplier, mm-hmm. um, and he definitely has a tendency to oversell how scary these things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a pretty openly mocked thing that like if you want to entice it's like the Zach Bagans of video games. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Pretty much. Because like something will burst out at him, and I'll be like, "Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that was so spoopy. That was so spoopy." Does he say spoopy? Yes, he yeah. says spoopy. Um, everybody's yeah. spoopy though. Yeah. But just then, curious. like at a yeah. certain point, because you can tell he's throwing like dozens of hours into this thing. At a certain point, he'll be like, "Okay, so if I click over here, something jumps out at him. He doesn't even move. He's like, all right, I thought that that's might really happen. funny. I thought that might happen.' And it's like, well, of course, yeah, anyone would get desensitized yeah, to this stuff, but also you don't have the energy stores to keep it up. Of you do course. it for the first couple, you give everyone what they want for the first couple, you fall over, you fall out of that's your chair. That's so funny. Bobby did a parody video of people freaking out of yeah. video games, yeah. man salad on YouTube. Yep. Uh, it's all about like, yeah, people will click on that stuff, they'll go hog wild for it if you just act yeah. all freaked out by a game, right? It's the it's the it's entertainment, yes, it's absolutely, totally. Um, or but they yeah. can go to us playing if anybody wants a little. Uh, I think it would be an, fun. An entry to, level. I think it would be fun to record another one of those and try it again. And sure. maybe this time, screw the gameplay. Let's look for bits of lore. Sure, right? I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you can watch people play the game, or mm-hmm. yeah, go to film or uh, go to game theory. Yep. And there's like a playlist of his Five Nights at Freddy's theories, and there's mm-hmm. definitely enough. He's he's a very like. A clear writer and narrator he makes it clear enough for you to understand yeah and it, it really honestly it's hours of material it sounds like it and it's very it's appealing a sweet story it's very very appealing yeah i'm into yeah. it um now cool. I, I think maybe the last thing that i will say so yeah. the the five nights at freddy's theory that it's all bla- based on a, a a true crime story mm-hmm. oh right right right. yeah so matt pat talks about this in his first five nights at freddy's theory i had never heard of it before i was curious to hear you say before that the the game might be inspired by a series of murders. Mm-hmm. It's a I'm not going to get into it. We're not a true crime show. Yeah. But for the sake of just rounding out sort sure. of the idea of maybe where Five Nights at Freddy's came from in the first place, the original point of inspiration for Scott Cawthon, aside from animatronics are scary. Yes. Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck Entertainment Cheese. Stu Leonard's. Well, those aren't scary. It's Stu Leonard's. Though. If you were, it's They're Stu nice. Leonard's overnight. That'd be very scary. Might be scary. The Chiquita that banana. That say, popping right up makes a great meal. Yeah. So uh, many good things are under the peel. Under the peel. There, there are vitamins, vitamins and minerals in every bite. bite. And best of all, it's got the taste you like. Chiquitas are del- nutritious. No, Chiquitas are delicious and they're very nutritious. Damn. I thought it was a chiquita reverse. a day is great for your health. Yeah. And then I don't know what the last part is. It's like, ba 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 ba. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But Twinkie the Kid was retired. Oh, yes, I know. Can you imagine if a Terminator Twinkie the Kid That's... with part of its skin peeling off was coming That's after you in the true. night? I'm Twinkie the Kid. Does anyone know what we're talking about? Yeah, I'm curious if anybody knows. We won't say any more than this. Stu Leonard's Twinkie the Kid. Does anyone know what we're talking about? Drop yeah. it in the comments. Leave a five-star review where you just write, I know what that means, and we'll know what that meant. <laughs> Do you remember Twinkie the Kid scared mom once, and we thought it was so Really? Funny. I don't remember that. Oh my god, we laughed so hard. I'm Twinkie the Kid. She was like, "Bye," and it popped up, and she—I only remember like theoretically. I remember it scared her, and you and I were dying. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I would love to do voiceover for an animatronic. (gasps) Oh, what a dream! I would love that. Absolutely, you could be a pizza. 
It's me, a pizza. <laughs> yeah. I've got the chops for it. We know That's that. Right. So Will did a voice. Uh, I used to do a lot of auditioning audition, for voiceover and, roles. And there's one of a pizza, and it is so funny. They wanted me to sound like a stoner Bill Maher type. And yeah. for some reason, that came out as like, hey, hey, it's me, a pizza. It's so funny. I know you're looking for yummy fun. And I saw you notice me. Toss me in your cart. It's you're like I see you looking at me, looking at you. It's so that weird. was the script. I know. I'm just saying it was a weird. That was the script. copy. Had I written it, it would not have said that. But I didn't write it. We were just talking about it because I got a Grubhub ad that was written. I felt in the voice of yeah, that that's pizza, right. and I sent it to Will, and I was like, they wrote this like the stoner, like uh, Dennis Leary pizza that yeah. they wanted you to be. And Will was like, absolutely written they did. in the style of yeah. pizza. <laughs> So the original true crime story that Five Nights at Freddy's might come from yeah. is the Nathan Dunlap story. Okay. This took place at a real Chuck E. Cheese in 1993, mm-hmm. approximately the time the original Five Nights at Freddy's is set. Uh-huh. Matt Pat did the math based on a, a check you get at the end of the night. He figured it out how much oh, you would cool. have been paid per hour and realized the time period you would have been really paid that. That is so he's awesome. very He's very intelligent and very detail-oriented. And if that was like Scott Coffin's <coughs> intention, I know. that is so cool. It's crazy. And it worked because there's another check in Five Nights at Freddy's 2, which takes place earlier, and it's appropriately and it, less. Yeah. That is so awesome. Very intricate. Yeah. So the Nathan Dunlap story. He was a former employee, and he was disgruntled. Mm-hmm. He went to Chuck Entertainment and Cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his real name, I right? I do. And hid in the bathroom until past closing. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was cleaning up, thought the the day was done, and he came out of the bathroom and killed a bunch of people. Oh, my God. And it was later caught. Yeah. But so essentially, it's this place full of animatronics at night. You thought you were alone. Right. Someone's in there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy crap. Yep. And so even MatPat in his original theory goes so far as to say that each of the individual victims corresponds to one of the victims of the original Nathan Dunlap case. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a bit too far. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was very interesting. Quite yeah. frankly, not out of the realm of possibility knowing how how specific right. Scott Cawthon can be with his design. Right. Man, that is so much cooler than I thought it was. I know. It's, 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 it's great. It's yeah. really, really great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, I'm very curious to see what happens with a movie because do you follow from what has come right, or do you start fresh? And also I'm curious who the movie will be marketed to because like we said, like the games aren't marketed to kids and they're not really for kids specifically, but kids like them, I guess, because there are characters and and whatever. So I'm curious how they'll... PG-13 horror? I would say PG-13, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Cool. All right, Will. So I'm going to talk about some uh, mysteries of the real world. Yeah. This is new government UFO information that has come out semi-recently when you hear this. Yeah. There was an article in the New York Times on May 26th called, Wow, What Is That? Navy Pilots Report Unexplained Flying Objects. That's kind of a follow-up to their yeah. um, their article from 2017, which we covered on episode 10 of this show, if you want to go back and listen to it. So this article actually expands on what was kind of like a vague but big nugget of information from that article. So that article from 2017 was basically confirming and talking about the fact that there was a secret government UFO project at all in existence. And it did give us video footage of UFOs that 
people in the government had taken, but we didn't know the backstory of that that video. We just knew that it was taken by pilots, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. In this article that came out recently, we're actually speaking to a couple of those pilots who saw those things, and they're filling us in on the context of those videos and what the deal is. Awesome. Yeah. It is so interesting. And again, just like we <coughs> said back then in like November or December of 2017, whatever it was, I can't believe everyone isn't talking about this. I, I saw people on Twitter yes. saying essentially well, what yeah. you just said, being like, how, how is this not sweeping the world by storm? The government confirming sightings of UFOs and stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's not, I'm guessing that because there's enough um, room to think that it's something explainable. Maybe yeah. that's why we're not the ambiguity out. of it. W would it take people more by storm if we had something that was like, here's a little green man? I think so. I right. think if that was the case, everybody would absolutely lose their minds. But I think because there's a little bit of an angle of where it's like, well, it doesn't seem like it, but maybe it's a secret drone project. You can lean into the maybe it's a secret drone project, but it really doesn't seem like it. I'll tell you what. I really wonder if in today's day and age, we're so inundated with news nonstop, I you can basically release something and bury it at the same time i think that that's part of it that crazy yeah that you could like maybe you could bring out mm -hmm. a little alien man i don't think that could happen that would be unless it's so the fact that you're not hiding it anymore doesn't make it interesting i would say unless or <clears throat> unless it's so crazy that people still doubt it his name is pete too yeah pete too yeah p-i-t-u yeah yeah pete Pitu. That's a nice name it is a nice for a name. little Not guy. Intimidating. No. Yeah. Hi, I'm Pitu. But no, I wonder if people would be if they would think it was fake or something yeah. like that because also we'd be like. Not everybody, but like, yeah, a lot right. Trying to condition us to doubt everything. Right. What's going on right now with the government anyway? They they just released the Bigfoot file too. I know. What's up with releasing all this stuff? I have no it's great. idea. I'm not going to look at gift horse in the mouth. I don't know if it was like times up on the Bigfoot thing. You know how like there were classified CIA documents about like the JFK assassination right. that were sealed for 25 years. Yeah, they got unsealed. I think in 2017 as well. And there just wasn't um there wasn't a lot of consequence in them so you don't really hear about it that much there wasn't right. any big bombshell i wonder if the bigfoot thing is also a time's up thing so so you guys know the bigfoot thing i don't know about it in total detail but it was a file saying that the government did test some hair that somebody submitted yeah. thinking that it may have been from a sasquatch or something and it was um of deer family origin yeah so that's the bigfoot file it's, that's it's a shame. not yeah it turned out to be a real little foot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the articles are very short. Yeah. Small in stature news. I'll read it with dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. More of a pamphlet, really. <laughs> um, so there is some overlap in this article and in my segment with this new show on the History Channel called Unidentified that started um, on May 31st. And it features thing we've talked about here and there. We talked about it a lot on that episode 10. I listened to episode 10 again to make sure that I don't overlap too much oh, wow. on my topic tonight. Okay. Because um, I don't want to tell the same story over again by accident sequel. or something. It, it is. Yeah, it really is. Um, it is produced in partnership with the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, founded by Tom DeLong of Blink-182, oh. and also kind of like co-chaired. I'm sure there's a 
more technical name for what his deal is, by Louise Elizondo, who um, played a large part in that yeah. New York Times article because he was the head of ATIP, yeah. which is what that secret government program about UFOs is. And ATIP stands for Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Nice. So they have this new show, Unidentified on the History Channel. Tom where, DeLong, he's doing it. He's making it real. Honestly, so... We, we made fun of it. Yes. He's making it happen. They talk about him glowingly on Unidentified. And by they, I mean all of the government officials who are involved in this and going on the record and everything. They really, at least on the show, because in my research, I found some people who were saying, and maybe rightly so, I don't know, that he has, when he's done press about the shows, been kind of all over the place explaining how this all came to be and it makes it sound kind of dubious, like almost like he's trying like to Mr. oversell it or something. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but just specifically about like the formation of and kind of to who's stars. involved with To the Stars. Um, so I don't know if I came across something that's from somebody who was just like poo-pooing it. For all I know, it's legit. I literally don't know. But at least on the show Unidentified, the guys who are involved in it, who are like former government officials, basically are like, this kid is the real deal. Wow. He really like bootstrapped this. Like he emailed people. He called people. He basically, in a civil way, hunted people down. Let's yeah, say there's yeah. a nicer way to say it. But like he just came from an honest place and worked hard and got these contacts and it just kind of snowballed from there and people listened to them. They really respect him. Wow. All right. Yeah. Tom DeLong. Seriously. It's well, really I won't interrupt anymore. All right. Uh, I cannot sleep. I cannot breathe tonight <laughs> until you finish tonight. your story. Tonight. Tonight. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, also in, also in Big Tom DeLong news is that on his Instagram that he was in a diner where they're playing, I guess that song, Miss I Miss You or whatever, and he mouthed the words along to it in an Instagram video. He just only mouthed it? Yeah, I mean, because he was in a diner. Give it it seemed like he was like thrill. trying to like be chill and just like whatever. It'd be so weird if he did anymore. It'd be so strange if you were chomping into Don't your... waste your time with on me. me. Like somewhere. I'm already... Yeah. When you're at the Edison Diner. Yeah. You're like, ah, yeah. Tom? <laughs> yeah. Tom! <laughs> It'd be like in the... This you know people are like really into to... Dave Matthews? Are there big like Tom heads? I'm sure there are. There are people... There are big things for everything. But do they call it being like, I've been following Tom? Maybe. Maybe. I think I told John if it was on the show, I think it came up, you know, personally or whatever, that I had a client who was obsessed with Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. Right. She had like a tattoo of a quote from him. You know what I mean? There are people who like love everybody which it's is me great, rob it's thomas <laughs> i wish it was just man it's a hot one it's a spicy one out there no do you talk about from the santana song that he's on oh, from, from that song smooth oh. it starts out like man it's a hot oh one. <laughs> if it was just man it's a hot one rob thomas uh. no it was something meaningful and she ruled but my point is that like I'm sure there are because people just resonate with people sometimes. Yeah. And you know what I mean? You, sure. you might not know if you had told me before she had, or if you had asked me before she told me, like, are there incredible super fans of Rob Thomas? Well, I guess I'd still say, yeah, maybe. I'm sure there's but a fan. So yes. Everybody. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so he is very legitimized within this community and it's not just the community of people who you think of being like kooky UFO, 
you know, like tinfoil hat people, like among respected government officials who want this to be taken seriously, they're like, Tom DeLong has really helped breathe new life into things and it's getting things done. Wow. Um, you also may or may not remember, I did not remember, um, that when there was a WikiLeaks hack of John Podesta, who was like Obama's former counselor and he was the chief of staff to Clinton. Um, there was a leak of his emails in 2016 and among that were a bunch of emails between him and Tom DeLong. And it was clear that they had had meetings to talk about this and stuff. And John Podesta had said that the government needs to take this more seriously. Wow. Yeah. Like it's a big legit deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like, okay. So the, you know, the to the stars Academy is the Academy of arts and Arts and sciences. And something interesting about the way he's gotten into all this kind of stuff is that it seems like he was always into UFOs and paranormal stuff. And I tried to find, I couldn't find captures of this on the Wayback Machine, which I was disappointed about. But apparently in 2011, Tom DeLong started a website that was about primarily UFOs, but also just paranormal stuff in general called Strange Times. Okay. And it was like a news site but about this sort of thing. And it looks like it's been since repurposed. Like there still is a strangetimes.com or .org. Um, but now it's really more about his book of the same name. He has a, a graphic novel called Strange Times, and that's being made into a show of the same name for TBS. Wow. I know. All right. Like soon. That was announced in December that it was going to be a show. Um, so he really does lean on the arts part of arts and sciences. Like, Kind of equally, it seems like. Probably not of equal importance sure. as far as like the importance <clears throat> they feel and threat that they feel that UFOs potentially are. But like still two things that he enjoys. And they do I think respect the hell out of it. They're saying threat? Yes. Really? Yes. I mean, you know, again, not like so imminent that we should all be scared and if this new york you know how screwed up would it be if i got murdered by a martian <laughs> like, how, how? by p2 he by would never p2 well would but he, he might be never. sneaking in under the guise of something like a nice guy that's true those big eyes yeah blink, blink. yeah you know yeah. like uh what is it? it being a nice guy right like on the internet isn't it like she's always into all these chads not a nice guy oh. like me and like flipping out Incels? like p2 yeah. <laughs> might be an angry incel and you're a chad <laughs> P2 might be sneaking in, but he might not be everything he said he is. <laughs> so I then, let him sleep over, by the way. and then P2 kills me mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. Even yeah. if nobody ever sees Martians again, you're like, yeah, my brother was murdered by a Martian. By a Martian. He was murdered by a moon this man. This is real, people. Yeah. By the way, also in this analogy, so like... <laughs> P2. Chads are to incels, okay? Like, uh -huh. I think... I think chads are like hot dudes you know what i mean like no, they're supposed to be like doofuses who like don't oh, treat you right babe they don't really care about you oh okay then never mind okay yeah okay well, that's a, that's what like all the the nice guys say right that chads are like they're not good for you why don't you go with a nice guy like me because the chads are not nice meanwhile the nice guys are not nice well, yes completely right but like i guess i would imagine that chads are like hot dudes though that girls go I, yes they just look good but they're the bad boy. okay that's they won't treat you right yeah. that's what i'm saying okay so in this analogy you're a Chad to the P2 alien. Yeah. So the P2 aliens think that the pinnacle that people are going for that's not right are like... Well, hold on. Are, are just like normal, literal basement dwellers. 
Wait, 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 wait. Maybe I'm confused. Are you making fun of me for being a basement dweller right now because my home office is literally in my basement and I seldom leave my basement and sometimes yes. I go upstairs at the end of the day and I'm shocked that the sun went down and yes. the rest of my house is dark because I literally haven't left the basement all day? That's exactly what I'm doing. And the fact that the Martians in our scenario, you are the ideal that everybody loves and it's unjust to them. We gotta get him. Yeah. It's not fair. They all love the guys like that. <laughs> Everybody loves me. Yeah. No one physically sees me in real life. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. Sometimes Allie comes home and I, I realize like I haven't seen another human all day. Oh, yeah. There are days where I realize I haven't used my voice. Yeah. Be- also because Ryan and I are on such like weird schedules. Yeah. We sometimes don't talk to each other like for a full day. So there are times I haven't spoken at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some P2 babes out there who are like, why do they all like her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't even talk. P2. P2. Poor little P2. Poor little Did I say P2. that out loud before? You said it out loud just now. I know, but I had thought it a couple minutes ago. Poor, Poor little, little P2. P2. Um, okay, so here is... I didn't know if I was like belaboring a joke <laughs> that I had already it's done. It's a good joke. And I was looking for further validation. <laughs> What's the actual name that's supposed to be in there? Oh, God. What is it? Poor. Oh, God. Whatever. Move on. It's from Seinfeld. It's from just Seinfeld. So Kramer says it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So here is what is in that article. So they're talking about the video that we saw in 2017, but we didn't know anything about because they didn't go on the record at that point. And it was just sort of footage taken from an aircraft of lights or something, right? It was of crafts. It was of crafts? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they were really teeny. It's not like it was super close up, but there are things that were like flying and moving. I think they did have audio on them of them being like, whoa, look at that thing. Oh, man, this is crazy. But you didn't know any context beyond that. So this is the context for this. And this is also, it, it sounds like we're not affiliated with Unidentified. I'm really enjoying it though. So um the the this stuff is also in that show unidentified on the History Channel. Okay, so what they're covering in here is a training um that went from 2014 to 2015. Um from Virginia to Florida with a squadron called the Red Rippers who were training for a deployment to the Persian Gulf. And so they were aboard an aircraft carrier called the Roosevelt. So while they're doing this training from the Roosevelt, they saw things that looked like spinning. Well, this is one of the things. One of the things that they saw something that looked like a spinning top that was doing things that our known aircraft technology, at least, is not capable of. And they reported these incidents to ATIP. So that was the thing that Luis Elizondo headed up. And he left that. Kind of like he kind of quit like, you know, he's still on good terms with them because I know that he still is in some sort of standing where he still can't talk about classified information that he has. So he quit, but he's not like he didn't do like a scorched earth kind of thing, but he quit because he was talking to the government about these sorts of incidents as threats and he felt they weren't taking them seriously enough. So he had to leave and wash his hands of it and kind of like go out on his own if they weren't going to listen to him. So anyway, that's just a little aside about who Luis Elizondo is and yeah. how that came to be. But they reported these incidents to ATIP. Um, and the pilots 
who went on the record for the New York Times are named Lieutenants Graves and Acoin. And they also are the ones who appear unidentified. And three other members members of this squadron also spoke to the Times for this article anonymously. And their interviews were all conducted separately. And I imagine that they make that point to put that in here so that we know that they the stories match up. Yeah, even though they were they were separated, mm-hmm. they corroborated each other's right. stories. It's the classic thing of, you know, two kids are are trying to skip class or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, Well, why were you late for the exam? They go, we blew a tire. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, cool. I'll talk to each one of you individually and I'll give you a redo test. And the redo test has one question and it's for 100 points, which tire? Yeah. What What do you mean this old thing? What is this? I've never heard this. <clears throat> that's like a, that's like a, I don't know if it's, I don't know if urban legend is the right uh-huh, term for this, but, like but it's a, like yeah, a story that got passed around. So yeah, I've two kids lie to a professor saying they missed the exam. They need a makeup date. They blew a tire on the way to school. Yeah. Okay. One question for a hundred percent of the points. The two of you are completely separated from each other. Which tire blew? Yeah. So if they each put down the wrong tire because they didn't corroborate their story, you both lied, you both fail. Right. That's smart. That's good stuff. So yes, like that. So they interviewed them separately, but this like this interview in the New York Times or the story in the New York Times is totally cohesive and gels and they don't point out there being inconsistencies or anything. So the deal is that while they were doing these test flights and everything, they started noticing that there were these objects that kind of looked like spinning tops doing these crazy things and they only started noticing them after their radar was updated so when you said before something about an old system or whatever and i was like oh that plays into my thing they had been on a system from the 80s which is very surprising to me that in 2014 they were in planes that still had a radar system that was like 30 something years old yeah um so they updated this system, and then because of that, weird things were showing up on the radar, you know, as each new pilot is kind of getting this new technology put in. But they thought that they were just kind of technological weirdnesses that happened because of this new radar system, because what they were picking up was just super unlikely given what they were doing. It would just be like impossible that you would see something up this high or whatever. Yeah. So the radar must be glitching out. So they were doing these missions where they went diving, they would go up to like 30,000 feet up and then go diving straight down. So it'd be really rare for anything else to be up there. Number one, because they're in an area that's kind of blocked off for their testing. And number two, just crafts aren't really made to be up that up, high. Up there already. When you yeah. get up there, there's just like something up there already. But they kept showing up up there when they're doing this stuff and they would show up a little bit lower down and then they were even showing up at sea level which is very very weird because how are you just kind of hovering without that kind of like acceleration force it just like it didn't really make a well, whole lot of are, sense are you saying like they were tracking so the the mm. intentionally our like air force or whatever right went up real high to go yes. down real low yes go down real low go down real low yeah but are you saying this, the alien craft did the same thing and so they were picking them up on their radar along the way as they were going no or? not necessarily like they they would do a little test like that a little bit later but at each it sounded to me like at least from this exact article that at each point they would see these things on their radar in places where they they shouldn't be they it shouldn't just be. didn't really make sense okay 
Um, so as I said before, one looked kind of like a spinning top and it was flying against the wind, which it shouldn't be able to do. The wind is going at like, it's on that video, um, from 2017 that you can find today as well. Obviously the wind's going, I don't know, 170 knots. I don't even know what that means. Extreme wind. And they're like, how is this thing moving through the wind? They're like, guys, do you see this? This is crazy. Um, they describe them. The audio is really cool listening because they just sound like normal people. They're like, dude, do you see this? What? How? Look at this thing go. Like, how is this flying? It is so authentic yeah. and believable. It sounds like if you or I saw something like that, we'd be like, what? Do you see this? Yeah. Man, are you looking at this? Yeah, I saw it. I don't, I don't even know what that is. It right. shouldn't be able to do, like, I don't, I don't know. It has to be something. It's like that. Right. But they also, it's funny because, like, they're in aerospace and they're obviously excited about it and, like, they're nerds for this kind of stuff. They're like, whoa, look at this thing huh. go. What would you say you know if you were I mean? an Aerosmith? <laughs> I'd say... Dude, it looks like a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Whoa. Whoa. It took my brain like a couple of beats to catch up to what you just did. That was incredible. Thank you. That was incredible. Thank you. We've never gotten a, a podcasting I'm a award. Technician of my own. Nominate us for some sort of an award for that. That was incredible, yeah, that was great. dude. It looks like a lady. <laughs> Amazing work, Kristen. Thank you. Bravo. Bravo. Nominate me at the potties. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to know. This is unprecedented. Back to back awards. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Nothing like this has ever happened before. The potties. <laughs> Is there any greater award for us to win? More specifically, you? My God, what an honor. I plunked my head right in it. Thank you for this, John. (laughs) I got a John from the potties. Oh, my God. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. So, they described these things that they saw. Yes. As having no visible engine on them, and there are no plumes of exhaust, the way you would think when something is accelerating like crazy. So on the show, on on Unidentified, they illustrate, like they show pictures of even the most advanced aircrafts that we know of and that we know we have, which do things, or excuse me, that can't even do the things that these things they saw can do. Like, yeah. you know, going against the wind that way and everything. The most advanced thing we have has, like, a huge thing of, like, fire shooting out the back of it. <laughs> and yet these things are doing all kinds of crazy crap, and there's not even, like, a little exhaust, like, yeah. in a car or something like that. Um, so at one point, <coughs> Lieutenant Acoin sets his plane to merge. And I don't know exactly what that means, but we can kind of pick it up through context. Context. To merge with one of the crafts after picking it up on his radar. And he was flying about a thousand feet below it, but keeping pace. So I imagine that that means there's some sort of technology. I could be totally wrong. Where if you kind of come into space with something, maybe you can almost set yourself on autopilot with it or something like that. I don't know. If you set yourself to merge. Set yourself to merge or just to like be in the same flight path. I guess. It said set his plane to merge. I wrote it there exactly because I knew I didn't know enough to be able to add with it. But whatever. So he is flying about a thousand feet below the craft as it shows up on his radar. Um, but, and, and he's keeping the pace, but he couldn't visually see it, even though his helmet camera should have picked it up. So it's showing up on his radar, but he's not seeing anything visually. And basically what this means, I don't know if they say it in the article, but they talk about it on unidentified is that they could have some sort of like 
masking technology. Camo. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're just like, what the hell? Then a few days later, um, it comes on his radar. Oh, something comes on his radar again. One of these crafts comes on his radar again. And his um, training missile locks onto it. It doesn't shoot or anything, but it's like, oh, there's something in the space. And it does the thing where it's like, oh, I found the thing to shoot at. Um, and the infrared camera also picks it up. So it's on the radar and the infrared camera, which I guess are different things. Well, obviously, but you know, there it's from two different sources. There is something here and he still doesn't see anything, even though it should be in his eyeline. Right. He can't see a thing. Very weird. And so he and, um, Lieutenant Graves and other pilots who have remained anonymous in this are all experiencing these things, all seeing them on their radar, um, a lot of them sometimes. And basically, they start to speculate amongst themselves and think that the crafts must be some part of some classified, extremely advanced drone program. Like, And this is something important to distinguish. They're not like... The things that they're seeing on the radar aren't specifically in their airspace. Like they're seeing them up, 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 up. You know what I mean? Like they're not just all in their grills all right. the time. So this is feasible because it's not like they're necessarily bothering them, but they do drift into areas where they are and they can see them or sense them through the radar and infrared. And they just kind of, from what I understand, it didn't elaborate it on the article. I guess they leave it there. I guess amongst themselves, maybe they're like, I guess this is a secret program and they don't bring it to a higher up at that point. But then later in the year, a pilot comes back from a mission, like, super shocked and said that he was almost hit by one of those things and that he and his wingman had been flying in tandem during a training about 100 feet apart when something flew right between them, right past his cockpit, way, way too close. And he said that it looked like a cube inside a sphere. So they filed an aviation safety report. I think at that point it might be when they reported things to ATIP. I'm not I'm not screwing around. Yeah. A cube inside a sphere is mm-hmm. something that I've heard referenced recently. Hmm. Did Dan Aykroyd say that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Not even kidding. Yeah. I mean that would make sense. It doesn't seem like something you'd be kidding about. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, that's how yeah, they described it. So maybe he is was referring to this report. Honestly. Maybe he was referring to that reporter. Maybe that honestly, one of the Is UFOs it? he cited corroborates. Oh, oh, you're this saying story. that the the story about him seeing UFOs. You think it might have been him saying it was like a cube inside a sphere. I, I, the only thing that I can think of that I recently looked at regarding UFOs is Dan Aykroyd. I don't look up UFOs much. Right, William. You know, what I just remembered. Remember in the episode where I talked about. Betty and Barney Hill, yeah. we were joking about how their description was like totally inscrutable. And they said it was like a baseball inside a football or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yes, yes. It was like a football shoved through a, yeah. A basketball or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, That's like kind of similar in a way. Like something with edges and yeah. angular poking through something. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I'm not, I'm not even screwing around. Something about that description that you just gave reminded me of something. Yeah. Somebody else's UFO story. Unless yeah. at some point somehow we referenced this. I don't think, I don't think we so. did. This and I didn't read out. this story. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I mean, for sure that Betty and Barney Hill thing was. There, yeah. It was weird shapes shoved into other weird shapes. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. I didn't think about that. Um, Who describes stuff like that? Honestly. Yeah, totally. It's such a weird. It was like a this shoved into a that. Right. It's it's not a common description where you're no. like, well, yeah, anybody could say that something is roundish. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. It's yeah, like, nobody says it this way. And honestly, who right. throws a shoe? Right. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so 
They filed an aviation safety report. But at this point, this convinced the pilots who were part of the Red Rippers that these objects weren't drones. They weren't part of a government program because the government would know that the fighter pilots were training in this area at this right. time. So why would they send drones in so close that they'd be like almost clipping planes so at this point these guys started really speculating that this is something that at the very least doesn't come from our government it's not it's not american no at the very least and and assuming this, it's from earth it's not american right and yeah. in this article nobody ever says that they think it's from another planet or anything like that they're literally just talking about the fact that these are unidentified things that they experience like I don't think extraterrestrials are even mentioned whatsoever in this New of York course. Times article. Yeah. But at this point, they're like, these are, these are not American drone tests. Like, something else is going on. That's this is weird. the kind of thing that something big and crazy goes, hey, why are in the future? Mm-hmm. And then we look back at articles like this and go, there were warning signs. Right. Yeah. Right. That we weren't all talking about. Yeah. So... Video from the mission, the video that I was talking about, shows the objects accelerating to hypersonic speeds, stopping suddenly, making instantaneous turns. And the thing is, that would kill a human crew. Like, if there were humans inside those objects, you would die from that. Um, because, as Lieutenant Graves says, speed doesn't kill you. Stopping does or acceleration does. Yeah. So that stop would create whatever force I don't even know. That would kill you or acceleration like too fast. Crush you. Yeah, basically. You crush yourself. You'd like crumble under the weight of your own yeah. bones. I think essentially, I wonder if it's like a gravity thing. It would just be way too fast. Like you just cannot handle that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, on the video, you can hear somebody just say like, wow, what is that, man? Look at it fly. Like what is going on here? Um, so in the article, the New York Times asked Lieutenant Graves in a coin, what they what do you think this is and they wouldn't really answer it yeah. um lieutenant graves said we have helicopters that can hover we have aircraft that can fly at 30,000 feet and right at the surface of the water but combine all that in one vehicle of some type with no jet engine no exhaust plume like i got nothing basically that it kind of trailed off he's like combine all that like I don't know what the hell that is. See, I it suddenly remembered my acroid again. What? They will say anything. They will they will dance around it. They will deny. They will say they don't know what it is. They will stop just short of saying it is extraterrestrial. Yeah. 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 But you know what? I think that in the show, again, I don't think that maybe these two lieutenant lieutenants say that, but I think that maybe Luis Elizondo, I mean, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Because the show really, they do talk about extraterrestrials and the possibility of that in the yeah. show, but not in a super duper direct way. I, I mean, I've only seen the two episodes that are out as we're recording this. We're recording this a little bit of an advance of when it comes out. Um, it's It's pretty like straightforward and talking about how these are unidentified but they definitely have mentioned the possibility of them being from somewhere else i think it's not impossible that during the interviews with these guys that they may have said like could it be from somewhere else and they could they may have said like it could be but they they definitely aren't directly saying like i think this is a ufo or anything like that so dan Aykroyd isn't really wrong i don't i'm not sure whether dan Aykroyd's not wrong but he's also not right just to also refute the same thing yeah not knowing where something comes from means that it's irresponsible to say that it's from somewhere oh, you know yeah. what I mean even yeah. if yeah yeah I mean you can give your opinion it's not irresponsible as long as you're making sure that it's clear that it's your yeah, opinion yeah I guess as long as you're making sure the door is open yeah, yeah. and making clear that like this is just what I think might not might yeah. have happened. I'm not saying it definitely did or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that they may in the show acknowledge that it could be, but it's not it's not there's not a heavy alien angle in this show whatsoever. What do you think? 
I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. I mean, I, I've talked about it before on the show. I I do think that there's intelligent life elsewhere. I, it makes sense to me. It makes sense. It's like in, um, in statistically. Yeah. It makes sense. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it could be like the fact that nobody, like, I, I'm sure there are high up secrets and everything, but like, it sounds genuinely like these guys who are high up in government, who like their jobs be like the very top. I'm talking about so, uh, so. Uh, professionally or expertly the very top airplane man who knows everything about the best airplanes or whatever says that he's never he doesn't know how technology like this is literally possible yeah if airplane man has no answers for this then that's pretty and not even being like you know and i'm sure i mean i think airplane man leaves it open like maybe another government has gotten things that we haven't but when it's when they're saying things like i literally don't know how they even could because it's not even possible they're bending the laws of physics it makes me think that yes maybe I I really do think maybe I don't know for sure, but I'm compelled to say, yeah. 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 What do you think? I think, um, I think a lot of like conspiracies about the government having secret drone projects or whatever. It's kind of the same thing as like we talked about with like flat earth or something Mm -hmm. where like some of the conspiracy to say that there's someone at the top controlling everything is because it's comforting to have somebody be at the wheel. Yes. It's important that there is a puppeteer because otherwise we're all just walking around without no strings. Right. That's not good. Um, But at the same rate, like let's say that there's some experimental drone program Mm -hmm. and what are they doing? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're flying these incredibly fast nimble devices yeah and screwing with our air force yeah right right zipping them in between two people that are trying to fly their planes mm-hmm. Sh- who knows what could have happened there uh, totally the, the way that they could have scared them could have sent them off course could have put other americans in danger right uh another government doing that could be starting a war right by you know like i think that they putting make another that country's point. you know air force at risk unless it's supposed to be like you know our new hotshot pilot Ricky. I know is a real maverick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And they're like, "Damn it, Ricky!" Yeah, you know you're not supposed to do that. And he's like, "I just wanted to see if they could handle it." Yeah. What? I didn't hurt anyone, Sarge. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I, they seem fine to me, Sarge. I feel the same way. I mean, even the idea that the ones that they kind of happened upon, let's say, at like you know, three hundred thousand feet, that are still up higher or whatever. Yeah. Like, if this is a government program. Why would they be running that at the same time that they're running tests? Do in it the somewhere same else. Area? It just doesn't make sense. Do it somewhere else. The yeah. secret's going to get out. Right. It, it just doesn't make sense because make sense. if they're working at the level that they can come up with that kind of technology, these are like very strategic, smart minds. Although, of course, there are people who are book smart and then like street dumb or whatever. But still, you would think that they would cross every T because this is a big secret deal. Mm. Why would they have it like parallel at the same time that there's a <laughs> yeah. test going on? Yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't so, interact with the the the. The people that aren't in the secret society. Right. The other thing is like we'll go into the jungle Mm -hmm. and look at a bunch of chimpanzees and be like, look at how they're using the twig to poke it in the log to get the – they're using tools. This is amazing. Maybe for aliens it's like, look, they figured out airplanes. I think that that's something either – They figured out suborbital flight. I think that's something that either they talk about in the show or maybe I thought 
where it's like, well, maybe they were in that area because they were kind of checking out what we're doing. Yeah, and they're like comparing yeah. their aircraft to ours. Exactly. Like, can you do this? Because that does seem like a quinky dink that yeah. like the aircrafts end up being right where there's like a ton of UFOs. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah, maybe the and UFOs like, saw that something was going down. They're like, let's. This is an opportunity to check out like what they do. Yes, and maybe they were trying to interact with us and have mm-hmm. some fun. Right. You know, like you might walk up to a chimpanzee. I know either one of us might do this. <laughs> either one of us. There's a very good chance Kristen and I will do this probably this weekend yeah walk up to a chimpanzee and be like can you can you like follow me if i do this like i'm going to i'm going to like you know do this little motion here i'm going to use a stone to Mm -hmm. break another stone or something like that can you imitate what i'm doing can you figure that out it's a form of communication non-verbal whatever right imitate monkey see monkey do Mm -hmm. literally i'm about to say perfect aliens Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The people on this planet have figured out how to build craft to get off the ground to fly around and do stuff. They're not right. leaving the the atmosphere really. They're not going into outer space, but they're doing pretty damn good. Yeah, look at them go. They're pretty. Let's high. see if they can do this. You know, like let's mm-hmm. see if those bastards can do ninety. Yeah. <laughs> fly in, see if they can keep up with you, and then the to the to the humans, we're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah did yeah, you yeah. see that? What the hell was that? And to the aliens, they're like. No, they're not keeping up. They yeah. don't know how to do it. They're not ready so yet. So they can't do that. They can't yeah. do that. There's a little more that could kind of support that in the show, it being maybe like them kind of like testing and being alongside and oh. stuff like that. I know. So, I mean, if you had to make me pick, if I if I had to, if it's only like, is it, you know, human stuff or alien, I would, I, I would honestly say alien. Wow. Wow. From watching all this stuff, and I'm sure that there are other shows that I could watch that would point out how biased it is and everything. Right. There are even people within the show who, like, have said, you know, like, you know, maybe, you know, Luis Elizondo is, like, very high up, but, like, maybe there's somebody above Luis Elizondo sure. who, like, knows about this project or whatever. But but then there, I think there are other people who are, like, it's pretty unlikely. Luis Elizondo is, like, pretty high up there. It'd be kind of unlikely that he wouldn't know that there was some sort of program like that going on. Honestly, you and I have been watching a lot of West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get to the point in season one where um, uh, uh, somebody comes with evidence of aliens no. to Bradley Whitford? It's treated like a joke, uh-huh. as it would be. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there are all these people whose job it is to, like, make policy and stuff. And it's the, about the socio-political day-to-day of working with each other and stuff. You've got so many things to do. Yeah. Somebody shows up with a binder to talk about aliens. All right, I ha- I'm required to sit here and talk about this with you for the next 45 minutes. So tell yeah. me what you got. But oh, really, wait. yes, I did see that. But really, you're watching the clock. Uh huh. Yeah. This guy could be delivering because Leo most- has a program where he like indulges people who have things that they want government programs for, right? Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. It yeah, that? yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. you indulge the guy. Yeah. But you've got more pressing, immediate stuff to take care of, and that's how this stuff gets ignored for decades. Right. You know, like I don't necessarily believe that there is a government organization that takes it super seriously mm-hmm. because everybody's so much more focused on things that are down to earth. Yeah, yeah, which is understandable. But at the same time, a point that Luis Elizondo and other people in the thing make is that like if they have this technology and they can yeah. do this stuff, like that's something to be concerned about. Yes. And by the way, like <clears throat> I don't think they said this in the show because, again, I don't think they even talk about extraterrestrials really in the show. But when I think of the idea of this being aliens or whatever, I don't really picture like actual aliens inside these crafts. I kind of imagine that they are drone-like, but just to them. Like, I'm not sure that there are aliens in there flying them and stuff. That's interesting. I just don't picture it when I think of that. I I think, like, these are controlled by... There's not, like, P2's not in the cockpit. No, I'm not picturing P2 in the cockpit for whatever reason. I didn't didn't think about it until we're talking about it loud right now, but I picture them operated by So, like, P2 might be in, like, a big mothership. Yes. 
yes. that exists in outer space that can pilot these. Things I guess or that's something. what I think because <laughs> I, I don't, make sense. I don't I mean, even picture there being anybody in there. Already, human society is moving to like mm-hmm. remote access, yeah. right? To yeah, self checkout machines and stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so basically, so yeah, Lieutenant Graves said the thing about how like you know combine those all things together and like whoa, mama. And Lieutenant Acoin said that um, he didn't, you know, want to comment on what he thought. And he said, we're here to do a job with excellence and not make up myths. Mm. So the article ends with, and I will end with the fact that it's notable that after this training, when the team was prepared and then they, you know, actually left for the Persian Gulf, the incidents kind of tapered off as they left the U.S. Oh, well, that's interesting, too. It's interesting, and I think that there is more to come on ident- unidentified about that. Um, there's an area where – I didn't even touch on this because it's it's in the show, and you guys can check it out. There's an area on the West Coast where there have been, it seems like, a, a significant amount of UFO sightings and everything like that, and they're wondering if there's some sort of significance to that spot. Oh. And so I wonder if there could be anything to that that's equivalent maybe on the East Coast or whatever. I'm not sure. That's very interesting. And that episode will have aired when you guys see this, so go check out Unidentified. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like grouping spots. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a good show. It's worth watching. Hmm. So it's all interesting stuff. Yeah. It's really like, it's Who the crazy. Hell knows? I know. Who knows? We'll see. But it's exciting that this stuff, even though maybe it's not like lighting everybody's hair on fire the way that you or I might expect, it's exciting that it's actually out there and spoken about everyone's on that Chernobyl tip legitimized I know I know so yeah yeah that's the big you know government UFO very cool well thank you for catching us up yes absolutely remarkable absolutely remarkable work thank you you brought us P2 brought us P2 brought us the potties potties. actually you brought us P2 okay all right I'll take P2 you take the potty we both contributed (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody we've reached the end of another episode of guide to the unknown Mm -hmm. thank you all so much for hanging out with us if you enjoyed the show a few options for you number one you can follow at GTTU pod on Twitter Facebook and Instagram to get doses of stories from throughout the week that's right Uh, you can comment on stuff share stuff with your friends print it out and laugh at it (laughs) two Check out patreon.com slash pod if you'd like to donate something back to us. Yep. Uh, pretty much treat it like a little tip. Yeah, we're super appreciative of everybody who does that. So thank you so, so much. You can also join our Facebook group. You go to facebook.com. Wait. Yep. Yep. Facebook.com slash groups slash pod. We have a private group there with a whole bunch of people who share cool stuff almost daily. And we have a weekly thread where you can just talk about whatever you're into and hear about what everybody else is into. And you find out cool new things to enjoy. It's a little community. Yeah. Join the party, the secret society. That's right. Um, <clears throat> you can also uh, do a couple things that would greatly help us out. Mm-hmm. One of them would be leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever place you listen to us. Yep. Uh, the, the stars go one through five. Mm-hmm. We want. Click that five. Five, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, write something nice about us. Yeah. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Yep. Stuff like that. And if all else fails, come talk to us. Why not? We're both out there, too. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We will see you once again next week when we've got more stories of uh, weird goings on in the atmosphere. Strangies. Uh, silly video games with spooky ghosts. <laughs> but until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. 